0: Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the five-minute clinical consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Roger is a relatively healthy 47 year old patient in your practice and he returns today for a checkup. You had prescribed a statin to control his elevated LDL in the past. He's fasted overnight as he's anxious to have his blood drawn today and see how much better he's doing. You're aware of recent guidelines that suggest that he no longer needs to follow this HDL level that he's so focused on and you consider how to discuss this issue with them. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Robert Baldor, Professor and the Founding Chairman from the Department of Family Medicine at UMass Medical School, Bay State, in Springfield, Massachusetts. Good morning, Bob, welcome to the show. Good morning, Frank, good to be here again. Uh, I, I am so happy we're talking about a simpler and less complicated way to help patients um, manage uh, things like hyperlipidemia. So um, you wanted to talk today about the new Veterans Association guidelines on how to address um, dyslipidemic situations. Can you tell us what's going on?
1: Yes, this is uh, really, I, I think, the same thing, looking for some simpler ways to, to handle these and move forward with them. And so what happened is the uh, this past year, the VA and the Department of Defense, they have an evidence-based uh, practice work group, and they convened a joint uh, guidelines development uh, crew uh, to really uh, update their guidelines uh, from, um, I think, 2017 or before then, uh, 2014, update their 2014 uh, guidelines. They actually pulled together a panel. It was great. They had uh, family physicians, internists, cardiologists, dietitians, pharmacists nurse practitioners, physician assistants. They contracted with an outside uh, group to uh, ensure that uh, this was all uh, done in a rigorous evidence-based fashion. And they uh, then did a systemic review of the literature, looking at the literature from 2013 to 2019, really focused on randomized controlled trials, systemic reviews and meta-analysis with with clearly uh, fairer, better quality. And out of that, then they developed 27 recommendations, but a simple one-page algorithm here uh, in order to help us think about uh, reducing cardiovascular uh, risk. So a lot of areas that they addressed, but the guidelines were really looking at patients of the age of 40 and older, and they were looking at, again, the, the 10-year uh, risk in order of uh, for coronary artery disease, vascular disease, uh, to Uh, really think about uh, a treatment. And so uh, this is what they're doing. They they said, let's look at uh, conservative dosing of statins in primary and secondary prevention without targeting the LDL levels. And so they also made some newer recommendation for uh, stepped intensification for secondary prevention and those that are higher risk. And then there was a newer emphasis they put in this for increasing aerobic physical activity in Mediterranean style diets.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> um, all good and all very appropriate with the literature. The American Heart Association, American College of Cardiology um, started uh, also moving in this direction a few years back. Um, so I, I, I like that you say that, their fo- that, that, that the, the, the veterans group um, isn't just focusing on medi- medication management, um, how did they come to their conclusions about LDL goals? Yeah, so this is really uh, saying that lipids are important,
1: but uh, shouldn't focus, should not be the main, uh, main, main focus, you know, and, and like your, your patient came in fasting. Well, you know, newer lab methods, you can directly assess LDL. They don't need to be fasting. In fact, the 2017 American Heart Guidelines said the same thing. They say you don't need to be fasting, you don't need an LDL. So, uh, so clearly we don't need to do that. You can just use uh, your simple uh, the levels in order to make, uh, make some decision. And they say no need to keep rechecking the LDLs every time you're, you're uh, making decisions because these levels remain stable quite a bit over time, and they do little to predict the relative uh, risk. So let me just uh, go through the algorithm a little bit that they have, very helpful. They say, again, if you want to uh, personalize the individual's risk. To determine their their cardiovascular risk and this includes however for those with an LDL of above 190 that you just go ahead regardless of their calculated risk you put them on a moderate dose statin. For those with a 10-year risk of above 12% you put them on a moderate dose statin as well and you want to consider that for those with a 10-year risk uh, that being defined as uh, individuals between 6 and 12% uh, to undergo shared decision-making with that group, and if they would like treatment, a moderate-dose statin for that risk. Now, we're talking about the low-risk group here for primary prevention. They're saying, obviously, uh, uh, throughout this, if somebody's smoking, you've got you to stop. Uh, but making sure that we're spending time counseling people on regular aerobic exercise, giving them handouts, counseling, perhaps referring to a dietician for a Mediterranean diet. And they say, you know what, for that group, no statins, and by the way, don't bother rechecking for 10 years. And so for 10 years from now, recheck a non-fasting lipid profile and do your recalculation at that
0: time. I love that. For, for low-risk people, um, don't check another lipid. It, it's not. It, I'm sure there are some quality measures that someone's probably pressuring you to check, but for the most part, we, we've taken our emphasis away from caring for the patient and, and trying to care for practice quality measures. And, and this is a great recommendation. Just, just focus on exercise and diet. We, there's actually pretty good data that shows if you use a statin, you increase patient's weight and you increase women's risk for type two diabetes. So, so our focus has to change as well. All right, so this makes great sense for primary prevention. It, it's, it moves further along saying 12% is the high risk group versus over 75 that the American Heart Association says. Um let's talk about um, uh, uh, the risk calculator and stratifying. Um, what do we do uh, w- uh, uh, following not following lipid levels um, in patients taking a statin seems uncomfortable yeah, so <laughs> I know because. There are some people i 've uh, seen where they
1: get to cluster the LDL checked the fast the LDL checked every every three months you know? yeah. but their conclusions the conclusions were were based on the fact that the systemic reviews did not uh, identify any direct evidence to support targeting a level to improve outcomes now observational studies have consistently shown a greater association between uh, you know a graded association between LDL and cholesterol uh, LDL cholesterol and cardiovascular morbidity and mentality but There's not any randomized control trial out there to directly compare different LDL goals. Instead, all these trials have looked at uh, statin doses uh, with with placebos. And uh, it's really been very little uh, relative uh, trials looking at these doses as well. So they noted the lack of evidence uh, for targeting LDL levels. Instead, let's focus on treatment intensity to match the evidence and make it more of a simplified point-of-care decision-making. So they recommend the use of target medication, most of which use moderate statins. Moderate statins are used in almost all of the clinical trial. And they really felt that uh, if one of the problems with targeting the LDL levels is that people tend to get on high-dose statin to bring their LDL down, or even combination medicines, more and more medications to get the LDL down, but there's no evidence for that. Instead, you are saying, put somebody on a moderate statin,
0: and feel good about it and let it go. Now, I know our cardiology friends um, still are hyper-focused on LDL, especially for secondary prevention. Um, 70 just seems like the beginning of where they want people to be. Um, I I do think, there still remains very little evidence to show that that's the case, but it's in, in the medical legal climate that we're practicing in, we probably need to at least be remember, remember that that 70 LDL is, is for second for those with known heart disease or those who are very, very high risk. That might be where our cardiology friends want them to be. Um, let's talk about risk stratification. Um, I know the American Heart Association uh, talks about calcium scores, and that always gives me a bug. W- w- what do you suggest?
1: Yeah, I just I want to cut, uh, touch back a little bit. I think in many ways, a lot of these things are really looking at that primary prevention. I think that secondary prevention group that's got known coronary disease, yeah, maybe a little bit more aggression on that. So it's, it was interesting, because there's a lot of things out to these cardiovascular, uh, saying we should uh, add in more and more things in order to predict, uh, to predict uh, risk. But they actually felt that, The current models, even though imprecise, uh, they're valid, and it's actually what all the research is based on that we're making decisions at. So they looked at, well, would the coronary artery calcium, the CAC score add, would the high uh, sensitivity uh, CRP, ankle brachial index, APRO uh, lipoprotein evaluations, and so on, uh, should that be added in? And they felt that the uh, literature did not support any significant added value for these tests other than CAC scoring. So, CAC scoring actually predicted, uh, provided a statistically significant reclassification of risk, um, but its impact on clinical outcomes remain uncertain. And they're saying there aren't any uh, randomized controlled trials showing an improvement in, in the outcomes that we care about. They didn't think that the added cost and radiation risk, mind you, of CAC scoring could be justified just to define somebody's risk. For primary care prevention, and again, they recommend um, uh, that the recommendation routine CAC testing not recommended because no evidence exists that it improves patient outcome. It is costly and exposes patients to potentially harmful radiation. But again, they also say this should be a shared decision-making uh, process, and patients should be brought into the loop uh, around that.
0: I um uh, just uh, uh, within the last month I received a message from my friend Shelley where her her doc had recommended she get a coronary artery calcium score. Shelley's a vegetarian, works out 5 days a week, doesn't smoke and her both her parents are alive in their 90s, neither with heart disease. And I said, well, if you really want to get it, go ahead, but if you want that much radiation, you should, you know, do something else. There, there's no there's no likely benefit to getting it except a false positive, which will just scare the heck out of you. So this is terrific, Bob. I think for those, those of us, we care primarily for patients of primary prevention, taking a more uh, conservative approach with, with risk calculation, um, shared decision-making, and then judicious use of medications. It sounds like the future of the treating uh, hyperlipidemia. Thanks for, for bringing this to, uh, frankly speaking.
1: Thanks, Frank. It was a pleasure. And I don't know if we can get the link to that algorithm on here or not, but that would help people to tease into this a little bit more, because there's a lot of information there.
0: Right. Practice pointer. Use a risk calculator to determine risk. Non-fasting lipid panels are accurate for determining risk. And once you place a patient on a statin, there is little benefit to tracking their LDL levels closely. Join us next time when we talk about the controversy and the lack of data supporting coconut oil as a way to a healthy life. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.